Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to episode 401 of Geek Town Radio. I'm your host, Dave, and this week I have with me. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Bex, how are you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing today? I'm doing very, very well. You're an episode late for our 400th celebration, but you know, that's fine. I'm, I know I'm you're on stage. Late. <laughs> yeah. I'm fashionably late. I'm fashionably late. Yeah, I was literally exactly at the time you were recording. I, I was standing on a stage at a gaming event, um, probably at that point commentating a bunch of kids playing Mario Kart, I think it was. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was good fun. But I'm just fashionably late. That's what it is. I'm just uh-huh. so fashionable. It's a whole week. Uh-huh. Okay, I will take your word for it. So, um, yes, what have you been up to? It wasn't EGX, what was it? It was um, Play Expo. Play Expo, yeah. Yeah. Every event is this month. Um, I I got to the point where where I've had to say I can't go to things, which makes me sad because I want to go to all the things. But yeah, Play Expo is uh, a full weekend. It's three days, including the setup and stuff, but it's full days on the stage. I get about 15, 20 minutes between each segment. And um, I'm doing uh, another event this coming weekend. And I was just like, I can't go to EGX as well. I'm going to have to tell people no. And I always thought it'd be nice to be in demand. And now I have FOMO. (laughs) (laughs) It's a new situation for me. And yeah, it looked looked really cool though. I would have loved to have gone to EGX as well. Yeah, I tend not to go down to EGX in London. I used to do it when it was in Birmingham. It was supposed to be coming back to Birmingham and then the pandemic happened and they cancelled it and they've not brought it back yet, which is really frustrating. So I'm hoping it comes back up to Birmingham at some point because that's nice and convenient for me. But I love EGX. It's a really, really good gaming event. I'm hoping they bring it back to Birmingham at some point and I will be able to go and do it locally then. That would be nice. So what else have you been up to? I'm trying to think when the last time I spoke to you was, I'd already done the, the film the film stuff that August. I'd done. We it spoke was, about, about that. Middle of yeah. August, yeah. We've done that. So I've just been doing a bunch of events. I did Gamescom and play and I've got a load more things coming up. So it's been a lot of going to very, very busy places, then being exhausted for a week. (laughs) And I was also trapped as well when UK airspace closed. So I was trapped in Germany. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was following that. That was very funny. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was like I'd spent a lot of Gamescom because Gamescom's hugely long days. You turn up at half seven in the morning, you you leave late at, at night, you know, it closes 
leaves at eight. And then if you're doing any other stuff later, you, you go home even, even later than that. So they're super long days. It was lovely sunny weather for a lot of it. Didn't get to see any of Germany at all because I was working the whole time. And then I was like, oh, if only I had a few more days here, I could do some touristy things. Wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> and then the plane before mine left to come back to England. And then my plane was the first one that didn't. Um, yes. So then we were all stuck there. The team I was working with all stuck there for an extra like three or so days. But I immediately got a migraine. <laughs> oh, no. So I was spending days in a very dark hotel room, unable to even look at my phone screen, sort of going, and I still can't do the touristy things. <laughs> no one's fault why, but a mixed a mixed event on, on that front. But Gamescom is huge. I've done it once before. This is my second one. And it's still daunting. It's, it's 340,000 people. And, um, and enormous event you could fit multiples of any uk event you could think of in each halls and then you times it by 10 for gamescom yeah like, there was some really cool stuff there huge stands netflix stands incredible like i wanted to just spend a whole day doing photo opportunities but obviously couldn't. <laughs> um i ran past some things and took some photos and sort of going like ah oh, if i get time i'll come back to huge wednesday adams stand you could take photos with wow. and the witcher stand like they were enormous like the the effort that the companies go to for the stands there mm -hmm. it's it's just incredible it's like walking through a movie set going across that witcher stand wow i will have to go and do that one time because given that they have tv stuff in there as well mm. i think i could justify kind of maybe going over and doing it yeah full-size like squid games playground wow bit. Like with the big statue of the doll from the yes. um, traffic light game. Quite intimidating, that thing, not going to lie. <laughs> Massive Stranger Things stand, as well as all of your big stands like your Microsoft and Nintendo and Sega and everyone you would expect. I did a, a little walk around of the indie game section. I think it was, I, I want to say 350 indie games. <laughs> in the indie wow. game section, which is a subsection of a larger hall. Wow. I just go around taking photos of ones I want to look up later because you won't remember. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I do that at smaller cons, so let alone bigger things like that. I go and take photos of stands of things that I've seen so I can make sure I can write about them afterwards. Yeah, I'm just sort of running past, taking a photo of a screen, taking a photo of a logo and running away. And they're kind of like, what's going on here? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I get half an hour break and it takes me 20 minutes to get back to the stand. So <laughs> yeah, a huge, a huge place. It's really, really good opportunity to go and to go and work there again. It's Gamescom. It's the the largest gaming event in the known universe, yeah. and that's probably not an exaggeration. No. Um. So that was good fun, and uh, I came back from that and uh, had picked up COVID. So that gave me some time to catch up <laughs> oh, on no. my film and TV. So what have you been watching on film and TV then? I've been watching recently a, a Netflix series called Mask Girl. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. To tell. It's a violent thriller about right. a woman who's drawn into very extreme and murderousy circumstances because she becomes this anonymous internet celebrity that wears a mask. Ah, That's kind of her sort of alter ego, almost. No one's seen her face and it kind of follows the things that happened to her. So that it's, it's very much a thriller, but it has got some proper violent sort of uh, murdery scenes in it as well, just so people know that there's definitely a blood trigger warning 
on that one, but it was quite a cool idea. And I was just kind of like, okay, that's intriguing. It's interesting to see how internet culture is now feeding into the kind of language of thrillers and horrors and things like that. So I've been watching that. I haven't quite finished it yet, but that's a, a kind of a roller coaster ride. I would describe it as. <laughs> I also saw eventually, it took me long enough, but I've seen the Barbie movie now. Oh, yes. What did you think? I saw that as well. I... I'm not quite sure what I wanted, but it wasn't quite what I wanted. Does that make sense? Yes, I think that's fair. It was too much real world for me, which is my comment about loads of things like this. They had so many incredible references to some quite obscure Barbie lore. Yeah. You know, they have Earring Magic Ken. They have Growing Up Skipper. They have like so many legitimate discontinued Barbies and um, like information and things with the, the outfits, the costumes. The, the details, you know, were absolutely spot on. Like they put so much effort into that. And then I felt like we spent too much. I like I know the story was go to the real world, see things, go back. But I felt like the pacing was a bit, and then we go here, and then we go here, and then we go here. There was a lot of traveling. Yeah. And they did their best to make those into fun montage scenes yeah. and things. But I did feel like there was a lot of, and then the characters go from here to here. And I was like, okay, it's a bit like Lord of the Rings here. They're just going from, <laughs> from place to place and I think I would have rather stayed in Barbie land more yeah I think and, that's a and fair done point. that slightly differently because I I was really enjoying like the aesthetic and the set design and the costume design in Barbie land whereas the real world I live there already <laughs> <laughs> yes so I, I almost would have preferred it if they'd done it as a a slightly split narrative where I don't know she's there briefly or she's connected to them or she finds out about the about the real world through TV and news reports. Like I feel like yes, one character going from one place to another and walking through it and seeing the reality. I, I get why they made that choice, but I just wanted more of the Barbie Land side of things. So I, I just felt like a lot of the tone and the jokes that they were making worked better when you had them in the sort of Technicolor setting. Yeah, no, I can see that i get what you're saying very much with that i enjoyed it as well and i mean i did think it was kind of interesting that mattel were quite prepared for them to be set up in the way that they were actually set up in that Mm. and poke fun at their own company because you kind of feel that if it was a disney film disney wouldn't let them do that (laughs) if disney discontinue a toy and take it off the shelves like a massive recall like they did with earring magic if you don't know what earring magic ken is there's a lot of good youtube videos on the history of this doll and why it was immediately recalled yet simultaneously the best ever selling Ken doll ever. Right. Yes. I, I don't know if you know the history of this doll. I don't know. So they were doing a bit of a trying to revitalize the Ken doll. It wasn't selling as well as the joke in the movie is. Oh, it's just superfluous, right? And they decided to send out some of their executives to research the sort of things that young people were into. Mm-hmm. And they came back with young, hip, fashionable men wear string vests and one earring (laughs) and a necklace with a ring around it (laughs) because they'd accidentally gone to gay clubs. (laughs) So earring magic can... has a ring that's not designed for your finger effectively on a necklace and this purple string vest with cut off sleeves and an earring and um because of course barbie is a is a gay icon you know lots lots of collectors in that community and earring magic can flew off the shelves (laughs) 
like bought up left, right and centre. But of course, then somebody at some point reported back to Mattel, you understand what this doll is actually actually depicting. It's adult club life <laughs> for a particular demographic. And they sort of went, ha, huh, didn't spot that and immediately recalled it. Um, wow. There's far more detailed videos on, if you want to check out sort of YouTube channels, you'll find the history of all of these kind of things. And so it was quite interesting to see dolls, including that one, mm-hmm. like name dropped and shown in this movie. Yeah, um, well, I mean, that was the thing as well. There was some of the dolls that popped up in that film that you looked at and went, did they really do? And they did. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Growing, growing up skipper with the rotating arm that made her taller and changed her bus size. That was a real doll. Yeah. Um, the pregnant. Was was it growing up? Was it Skipper or was it the other name? Uh, I, I it might have been Pregnant. Um, yeah. Skipper, and then the other one might have been the other girl's name. I forget all of them. Yeah. Although the whole thing with the the pregnant one, yeah, was seemed like a lot of a lot of stuff over nothing. Really, she just had you could take the stomach off, and there was a little baby doll inside the stomach, yeah, that she could then hold. But one of the controversies about that doll was that it was sold as a singular doll, right? So some particularly I see argumentative groups argued that this was glamorizing single, <laughs> single parenthood yeah. for young women. So they actually, before they took it off the shelves, see, you didn't know I knew this much about Barbie, did you? No, <laughs> I'm really shocked. <laughs> um, they Before they took it off the shelves, they tried to do a reissue where the backing cardboard of the box had a picture of her husband. <laughs> And um, seeing a big company like Mattel sort of owning all of those things and understanding that they've moved with the times a lot and their products are very much a product of every era they've released in because they've been around for a long time. Yeah. um, I thought was really, really cool. As you said, like a lot of companies would not own that. (laughs) They they wouldn't be happy with stuff like that being shown and sort of gently poked fun of. Um, But it's part of the stuff that makes the history of Barbie and fashion dolls in general, like really fascinating is looking at how all these things have gone over the years, looking at things that were in quotation marks controversies, you know? Mm and I, I was enjoying playing Spot the Reference, <laughs> for sure. So there was stuff I, yeah, stuff I did really like about it, stuff I wasn't so sure. But anytime there's a film in a magical world, I think with the exception of something like Enchanted, yes. which is someone going from a magical world to the real world, which I, I love that film I, because I they, love that film. Yeah. they brought the magic with. Second one, no. First one, yes. Um, <laughs> but any other film with a magical world, I don't want you to come to the real world. I understand you have a budget. <laughs> yes. And I want it to be more expensive. But I think that's just a, a little bit of a bugbear of mine where I'm like, this doesn't, you know, 10 minutes max. And I'm I'm sort of going, can we now go back to this really interesting world we've created? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was that was one of the things for me. Uh, what other things have I been watching? I finished my rewatch of Death Note. Yes. There was a couple of bits of that plot I'd, I'd forgotten. Definitely serious. One is better than series two for that, which I'm sure I thought at the time, which is why I can remember almost the entirety of series one line for line. And series two was like, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that entire character. But I think still worth uh, the rewatch that Mm -hmm. it is uh, for anyone that just saw the Netflix live action American one. It's not it's not the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did. William Defoe being amazing aside, very, very different. Right. Um, I enjoyed rewatching through that. I'm I'm definitely definitely still 
on a lot of this rewatching binge thing I'm I'm kind of doing at the moment. I'm trying to think if there's any other new thing because I'd already watched the first series of Silo last time we caught up. Yes. I'm now up to date on Foundation. Mm-hmm. So I've caught up to date on that one. Yes. Still enjoying that a lot. And oh, first couple of episodes of Loki. Yes, yes. I was I mean I assumed you'd watch that given your obsession and the restraining order of uh, Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> but uh... I, I, I don't appreciate the joke also I'm far too lazy um but what are you making of series two because it's it's kind of a fun ride but it feels all over the place a little bit well yeah and that's kind of been mcu this phase all over and thankfully i think they're actually starting to realize that not having showrunners for shows probably a bad idea um yeah so much happened I felt like I watched an entire series squished down into two episodes. Yeah. It was just so, so much going on. And like, like I enjoyed the ride, but it was, yeah. Like when they, whenever they slowed it down a bit and they actually just went and sort of spent time with a singular character, Mm -hmm. um, especially Ouroboros, who's an amazing character, like more of this character, please. Yes. Those kind of bits, really, really enjoyable. But then they'd be like, oh, we're here. They're there. Oh, this person's here. Or secretly, this has been going on. And here's a whole group of people doing the work. And I was like, wait, what? Hang on. Hang on a minute. Did I blink? (laughs) And um, it just felt like it moved around and it jumped around so much. I mean, if you haven't watched the first series and multiple MCU movies, way more than with series one. You'd right, have yeah. no idea what was going on in this series, right? No, you would have absolutely no idea. <laughs> it's not somewhere where anyone can join no. the series at all. So I'm I'm intrigued to see where it goes moving forward. But I did watch that and think, well, they're not going to get any more fans from this. This is only something that you can enjoy if you've already watched the second one and know, know so many different things about all the characters. So, I mean, I'm still going to watch it all. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. I, I mean, this is this is this is a given. I'm still going to watch it all. <laughs> but yeah, I did kind of watch it thinking like if I look away to pick up my cup to take a sip of my drink. <laughs> I'm going to miss an entire plot thread. Yeah, it does feel a bit like that. I am enjoying it, but it is very densely packed and like, you know, things zipping all over the place. And yeah. yeah. Did they have the the episode runtime cut or something? I don't know. I think it's just indicative of how they're trying to structure things at the moment. And I don't know what it is. I mean, the episodes are 40 to 50 minutes, pretty much. And there are only six of them, I think, this time around. But I don't know. I'm hoping that uh, i mean there's some news coming up later about one of the other upcoming marvel shows which i hope has been a bit of a sort of kick in the pants for them of like they need to change how they're developing stuff because it's been all over the place this phase and it didn't need to be and i i think they just need more control over everything right now because at the moment they're not really managing it particularly well so mm. hopefully this will get them back on track but uh yeah because yeah, i, I, I i'm that. i'm now one of those people that there's like oh there's a new marvel thing coming out and i'm like okay maybe i'll watch it at some point you mm-hmm. know when i and, and it used to be like such a big thing where you'd be like oh my goodness and and a new part of the mcu is coming out I, I i need to i need this to be here now immediately it's just so intertwined and so all over the place now that like i haven't watched quantumania yet i haven't watched i don't even know which other ones i haven't watched yeah like, and that's the problem. Which is yeah. which is a shame, really, because I've been reading Marvel comics since I was a little kid, and yeah. I'm 
I was so engaged in it all. I really want to stay invested in the MCU. They just need to help me out here. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I think everybody's kind of at that point that whilst it is a rebuilding phase and we've kind of all known that, I think even the first time around, you know, you knew what they were building towards. They were building towards bringing the Avengers together. And I think the problem with the amount of stuff that they've been shoveling out in this phase or the previous phase and sort of going into this phase has been there's not been a definitive target and I think that has been a problem you know because initially it was sort of okay building the Avengers and then it was the threat of Thanos and leading up to the Infinity War stuff and and you could see where the whole thing was kind of heading towards and I think it's just been so all over the place with sort of the last phase and you know we're now into the what phase six are we in now i think they need to just separate them off there's a reason why the first guardians movie and the last guardians movie, i'm not so keen on the middle one but the first and last one were good and it was because they were more standalone mm-hmm. yeah you know i think the first ant-man movie was quite fun because it was just a little story in itself it wasn't quite on the grand scale quite literally they're very small um on, on some <laughs> yeah. of the other films but i think they need to move to making them less interconnected it's just i mean i know i've been saying this and i sound like a broken record but it is it's not helpful when you're making this many movies Mm -hmm. well i think they just need to focus on making good stories and then tying them together in a more natural way just feels very kind of thrown together at this point and like it's almost sort of well it doesn't really matter we can churn out whatever and people will still watch it and i think people have got a bit sick of it now So I'm hoping that they kind of manage to get everything back on track. Yeah, I'm more excited for the animated things that come out. Mm -hmm. As it used to be with DC, you were like occasionally some great films, but pretty consistently a lot of great animation. Yeah. And that was kind of how it was. And now Marvel's kind of going the same way where I'm like, the live action things come out and I'm like, "Ah, maybe. And then it's like new Spider-Verse. And I'm like, yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Need to see that immediately. Can't wait. Would go to the cinema for that. Yeah. And again, it's because they're kind of more their own separate things they've got a lot more freedom with them um yeah something about it being the need for it to be this big blockbuster movie is definitely not working anymore which is a shame because i loved the like the phase one stuff Mm -hmm. yeah i'm kind of with you there i i mean i I am enjoying loki but it is indicative of the kind of chaos that seems to be going on creatively behind the scenes at at marvel at the moment so uh hopefully yeah i think they had a lot of caffeine when they wrote the kind of pacing of some of the <laughs> the, the, the episodes we've had so far. Yes. It was, it was very much everything going at 100 miles an hour yeah. to the point where, and I'm, you know, I know a lot of the MCU, I know a lot of the comics, I've watched the first series, I, I know this all very well. And still occasionally I'd be like, wait, what? How did we get here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I just obviously looked away or, or checked my phone for a second and then was lost. Yeah, that's not great. I mean, you know, second season, it is lovely to have those characters back, and the introduction of Kihu and in anything is. Yeah, so, so personable, right? Yeah, I I adore that man. He's brilliant in everything. I mean, Everything Everywhere is is an incredible film. And just the fact that he won for that and 
he's now popped up in a numerous different things he's he's just brilliant and uh i'm so happy to see him back acting and doing all this stuff so uh but he's just wonderful he's so great in this more of yeah. him definitely yeah more of that it's the it's the fun character interactions that really drive series like that yeah it doesn't need to be constantly zipping through portals into different worlds and things yeah like we need to be able to kind of like latch onto the characters and their relationships and character arcs character growth I think so yeah I mean we're only like at the start of the series so we'll just see how that progresses really I'm still going to watch it all even if I just complain about it I'm obviously (laughs) still going to watch it all and it will still be fun even if it's not the best but I think one of the other things I'm looking forward to is also on your list which is the fact that we're going to get more Orphan Black yes they dropped a trailer for that which is the uh, Orphan Black Echoes I'm assuming you saw the trailer for this I I haven't seen it yet I know know I'm watching the series already (laughs) well Yes, that is true. Trailer's kind of interesting because the description doesn't give a huge amount away. All it says is it's set in the near future and takes a deep dive into the exploration of the scientific manipulation of human existence. Follows a group of women as they weave their ways into each other's lives and embark on a thrilling journey, unraveling the mysteries of identity and covering a wretched story of love and betrayal. You do in the trailer see Kirsten Ritter, who is the new lead for the series, who plays Lucy. You kind of see you getting almost birthed out of some sort of pod, but it's not clear whether this is going to involve clones and whether that's what she is or whether there's something else going well, on there was the whole underground scene of the kind of biohackery type people that yeah. sort of were connected to the events of the first series so i'm assuming they're going more in in that direction rather than retreading ground yeah because with the trailer they announced a few new people because one of them is uh raya Canisted, i think her name is who's um, popped up in things like nashville and dexter and superman and lois she plays a brilliant tough as nails neuroscientist who is deeply loyal to the people she is close to James Ikaru Lau who is from Barry and Blue Bloods and The Dropout plays an extremely powerful self-made billionaire with a troubled rare mushroom farm designed to improve human biology Reed Diamond pops up in there as well who is former military uh, Reed Diamond you'll know from things like Dollhouse and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff he's head of security for the Daros Foundation which sounds like the, the sort of big bad possibly in this uh, Keely Hawes who you do see in the trailer seems to be the sort of scientist that's talking to Kirsten Rinder's Lucy character who is almost a sort of mother figure by the looks of things in some way so there's some interesting people involved in the casting of it it's Anna Fishko who he wrote on Fear the Walking Dead The Society and Pieces of Her she's the creator writer and showrunner of it and John Fawcett who was co-creator of the original series is involved as exactly producer it looks really interesting it has been picked up in the uk as well it's coming to itvx at some point in 2024 we don't know exactly when it's going to drop yet but it does look really interesting i think you're probably right it's probably going to be i suspect maybe moving away from the clone things and more into the sort of general biohacking stuff yeah it was really fascinating when they started to bring some of that in like we just saw the beginnings of this whole underground 
kind of community and like I wanted to know more about them as we yeah. were watching the series. So I think that's a really, really good and smart jumping off point. Yeah. So I think that's probably where they're going with it. But um, as I say, we don't know when that is going to land yet, but we do know that ITVX have it in the UK. It's AMC in the US, but they haven't announced a, a air date for it on either side of the Atlantic yet. So uh, at some point next year, that's going to drop. One of the other new things that I picked up was Interview with the Vampire, which is now on iPlayer, the TV series. This is really interesting. Have you read the books for this? I think I've read the the first book a very long time ago. I haven't oh. read it since. Same position as me, basically. I didn't really read much of the rest of them. I've read a graphic novel adaptation right, um, yeah. as well, but yeah, not not in a very long time. You're aware of the movie as well? Yes. I'm, yeah. TV series is somewhat different but it makes some really interesting choices it is done under the guidance of uh, Anne Rice while she was still with us and Christopher Rice as well they are exec producers on it so I think they've modernized it and changed it slightly like the time setting is slightly different so mm-hmm. the interviewer is actually slightly different as well because in the original it's a sort of young interviewer that's interviewing Louis I mean if you don't know the story of Interview of the Vampire I mean the title sort of says a guy interviewing a vampire and going through the history and it goes back in the book you're sort of going back to the 1790 period so it's that sort of period with the tv show what they've done is they've moved it into the early 1900s still set in new orleans but they're leaning far more into Louis being a person of colour, which he kind of actually is in the original book because it does give him a Creole background in the book. Obviously, when the movie came out, he was played by Brad Pitt, so very much a white mm-hmm. person in the movie. But that is actually sort of in keeping with the book. But because it's 1910, when they actually move it to, you've got New Orleans, which is kind of jazz, very divided, all that sort of stuff. It plays with the race a lot more. It also plays up the gay aspects of the relationship between Louis and Lestat, which is, I think, was always there in the books, but it was never quite as explicit as it is. In the yeah, it was show. a very subtext downplayed thing and um that's it's sort of debated over the years as to whether or not people were reading into it or not but i mean yeah it was there (laughs) it was definitely there if you wanted to see (laughs) if you wanted to see it you had to be slightly blinkered to miss that one i think yes and they are very much up front with that and it makes louis a much different but I think rather more interesting character for the TV show because you follow a character called Louis de Pointe de Lac and he meets a vampire called Lestat and gets turned by him and the sort of relationship between the two of them is the basis basically for that first book with this because of the fact that you've moved it into this slightly different time period you're also dealing with a man who is gay but obviously not out in that time period and he is also black and everything that comes with that in the sort of deep south of america it alters the character quite a lot. Lestat yeah. is very similar to the book character, whereas Louis is quite a lot different. But I, I think it still works and makes for an interesting setup there. Yeah, it was always about the dynamic between two characters and, you know, their kind of journey through 
like I always thought that their journey through time yes. was quite important as well. So I'm interested to see if they're setting this mostly just in one time period or if they're giving it that sort of sense of they have moved through different times together as culture has changed around them, because that was always a, something I quite liked. Yeah. Although, again, I'm aware I'm asking people to do the most expensive option, which is yes, and also film this set in multiple time frames with costume <laughs> complete redesigns and changes and um, things like that. But yeah, I'm intrigued to see where that one goes. I haven't really looked into it much yet, but it is on my list of things I should watch. Yeah, they do actually move it through time periods. Mm-hmm. I mean, not significant, necessarily huge jumps. Yeah. So, you know, they're not having to change entire sets, but, you know, the costume stuff, certainly, they move through sort of 1910s through to the Second World War. So you are moving over a fairly significant amount of time and change. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of things, what they've done is uh, Daniel Malloy, who is the interviewer in the book is a much younger man in this is a much older man and this is actually set up as the second time that he's tried to interview Louis and the first time sort of ending in disaster back in the sort of 1970s and then this is him having a sort of second attempt at it so that changes the dynamic quite interestingly as well because you've got a much more experienced interviewer doing it who is older and crotchety and and not prepared to put up with as much of Louis's kind of evasive BS. You know, he's mm. he's so that dynamic changes as well. So there are a lot of changes from the novel, but I think it's made it far more interesting. Because I always said Louis in the book is the whiniest character throughout <laughs> the entire thing. He's like literally the whiniest vampire you could ever meet. And I think this improves the character of Louis quite a lot. So I really enjoyed this first season. It is all up on iPlayer right now. There's seven episodes in the first season and they're about 45 minutes long. So I would say go and watch it. Go and check it out. If you like the sort of vampire stuff, the relationship between Louis and Lestat is very central to it. And, you know, the other vampires that come slightly later on, they do introduce one or two. It's a really well put together series and very enjoyable, altered from the book, but still very, very enjoyable. I think they've done a great job with it so i would go and check that out the other thing which i have seen a couple of episodes of is rick and morty which is back for season seven it will actually be out by the time this goes up i got a couple of preview episodes for it they've actually released who are doing the voices for rick and morty as well now the series pretty much carries on as you would expect if you like rick and morty you're going to like season seven it's very much in exactly the same sort of vein the two of them going off on adventures although the first episode is far more rick focused and the second episode is slightly more rick and morty focused rather than the two of them sort of going on adventures together as much which is an interesting choice. But what they've done is, I mean, if you've not been following any of the background to this, Justin Rowland, who is co-creator of the series, was fired after problematic behaviour, shall we say, rather than go for what they did with Solar Opposite, which is they completely changed the character's voice. He voiced Corvo in Solar Opposite and they just hired Dan Stevens and basically said, okay, he's got a British accent now, deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes going for something completely different and then just, I mean, I guess trying to work it in as a gag in some way that the voices change can be better. I mean, look at 
Fresh Prince of Bel Air, what they did yes. when they completely recast the mother. I can't remember why, in any way, shape, or form, why they recast her. Could probably very different circumstances, but they just came back and sort of went, "Hey, did you do something to your hair? You look a bit different." And they yeah. just carried on. Yeah, I mean, they released the clip online with Solar Opposites. It was basically Corvo gets shot in the neck with an arrow, and then when they pull the arrow out, he starts to speaking with an English accent, and they're like, "Is he going to be like this all the time now?" And they're like, "Yeah, possibly. I don't know. We'll just roll with it." <laughs> and then that's kind of it, you know. <laughs> So with Rick and Morty, they went with Sandalikes and they've been keeping the names of the two guys under wraps, I think because they wanted people to hear it before they revealed who they actually were. Mm-hmm. Ian Cardoni is voicing Rick and Harry Belden is voicing Morty. Neither of those are particularly well known. They are brilliant mimics, though. I mean, Rick, you really, really cannot tell the difference at all. I mean, they've done a stunning job with that. Morty, I think if you're listening for it, you can probably tell that there is something slightly different, but it's very subtle. And I think if you weren't aware that they changed the voice actors, you would have no idea. Neither of them have got anything particularly huge on their CVs. You know, they've done a few comedy shorts and bits and pieces. One of them's had guest spots on Chicago Med, you know, uh, but that that's pretty much it. They were clearly hired because of their voice talent and it is brilliant mimicry. They've, they've done an incredible job. The scripts are as good as they ever were. So yeah, season seven, it'll be up on E4 from Tuesday night and it'll be up on Channel 4 streaming as well and going out an episode a week, but go and check that out as well but they've done a really good job with it, I think. That's the stuff we've been watching this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So we kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. There's a few cancellations. The After Party has been cancelled after two seasons by Apple TV. It's actually made by Sony Pictures Television. They are going to be shopping it out elsewhere. That is uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord's series, the people that are behind the Spider-Man animated stuff, actually, I think. Ah, cool. The show itself, I mean, I think got some fairly reasonable reviews, certainly for the first season. I haven't actually watched it myself. I think they jump through kind of different genres is what they're sort of doing with the sort of murder mystery thing. It sounded quite interesting. I haven't actually watched any of it myself. I kind of go want to go and check it out, but we'll see. It's a rare cancellation for Apple because it is very, very rare that they just drop a show and decide that it's not yeah. coming back at all. Usually they round them off. That's more of a Netflix move usually. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, I mean, clearly it just wasn't working for them, which is a shame, but... Maybe they can chop it somewhere else. We'll see with that. 
BBC Three has cancelled the music talent competition Project Icon, which is apparently hosted and created by Jason Derulo after one season. I wasn't even aware that was a thing, but there you go. There are also some reports floating around about Brassic, which may end with its sixth season. It's the fifth season coming up, so uh, we're talking about one season after the upcoming one anyway. Sky has said it's not cancelled, if you've been seeing reports about that. There's no decision being made as yet. However, by that point, there would be six seasons in and the cast are getting quite popular. So I think it's sort of at the point where the cast are wanting to move on to other things. And uh, it seems to be more a creative decision if it does end than it is Sky Don't Want It Anymore because it's massively popular. Um, So if it does end at season six, it will be ended properly. But there's certainly no confirmation either way. As I say, we've got the fifth season coming up. There'll be a sixth season after that, most likely. But officially, there's no cancellation one way or the other for that. On the renewal side of things, one renewal based on a true story, which is the Kaylee Kloku series, which uh, still hasn't got an air date over here. I have seen the first season of because I got some sent some previews for an interview. But that is great and really enjoyable. It's uh, a couple that start a true crime podcast with another guy that turns up in their life. And I will sort of leave it at that because it rather spoils things if I give too much away. Yeah, but- that seems to be like a popular thing at the moment because I was watching Only Murders in the Building. Yes, yeah, Only Murders is is fantastic. It is a comedy, this, but it's a far more sort of comedy thriller than straight-up comedy, which sort of Murders is. I really like what they did with Based on a True Story. It's a very different thing to Only Murders in the Building. It's not the making a podcast and investigating something. Mm. It's a different take on it. And I really rather enjoyed with what they did with that. I think it's a really interesting idea. It's a Peacock series in the US. It's not been picked up over here yet. I really hope that the fact that they've given it a second season inspires somebody to pick it up over here because I, I think it's a really good show. And ITV has confirmed that My Mum, Your Dad, which I think is a dating show thing, has been renewed for a second season. That's on ITV1 and ITVX as well. That will be back. There has been a few updates on the strike, which I decided we we're moving things around. We're going to put those in next. So there was a major stumbling block with the SAG-AFTRA strike as the major studios have walked away from negotiations. The studios claim that the gap between the two parties is too great and conversations are no longer moving us in a productive direction. And they were claiming that SAG wanted a levy on subscribers on top of other areas. And the CEO of Netflix called it a bridge too far. SAG are saying, that's complete BS and we've made big meaningful counters on our end including completely transforming the revenue share proposal that they made which would cost the companies less than 57 cents which is about 47p per subscriber each year just tonight the AMPTP intentionally misrepresented to the press the cost of the proposal overstating the cost by 60% they've done the same with AI claiming that it would protect performer consent but then continue to demand consent on the first day of employment for use of a performer's digital replica for an entire cinematic universe or any franchise project. So basically, you get scanned on day one and they can use you across the entire MCU, is what they're trying to do. And I mean, imagine if you're 
I don't know. I mean, high profile example, Chris Evans and your Captain America and they scan you on day one and now they can pop you in absolutely every single MCU movie, not necessarily in a talking role, but you can have Captain America in the back of every MCU movie now without paying you. Yeah, likeness rights exist for a reason. Yeah. (laughs) You have to have a say on that. As we briefly touched on last time, you need a say on where your image is used and what it's used to promote. Yes. You said before, you could find yourself being somebody who's maybe Jewish and getting scanned and then find yourself in a crowd scene in a World War II movie playing a Nazi. You know, yeah. there are reasons why doing you Doing things rights. that are beyond the levels you would agree to exactly. if it were you doing it yourself. I mean, we've already got with some of the AI scams, uh, wasn't it Mr. Beast and a few other people? Yeah. They made entire videos using AI to make it appear like they were promoting these fake giveaways and things like that. (laughs) And the idea that someone could legitimately do that, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's such a big and new issue. Yeah, it is. And and I can see it's just so wrong that they are trying to find ways to kind of get around this because obviously people need scanning. If you're the star of a movie franchise, they're going to need scans of you because they need to be able to do FX work. But in terms of the rights of what you're allowed to do with that and how you're allowed to use it, every single performer should have rights over that. It, you know, it's, and at yeah, least if per they, movie, you yeah, know, per, per movie series. And be getting paid for it. It's just ridiculous to think otherwise. And in terms of the cost side of things, I mean, even if that figure of 47p per subscriber is true, how much do Netflix bump up their fees every year? And they're complaining about that, which would be if it went up by 50p every year and that went directly to the actors I'd kind of be okay with that that's not an unreasonable amount of money particularly if I knew that it's actually going to support the people that make the content not that I'm saying that that is actually the correct amount because they're saying that they're massively overestimating that anyway but you know even if it was I'd be like well you know they're basically in a situation now where SAG are waiting for the studios to come back to the table because the studios are the ones that have walked away and SAG have said we're quite happy to talk whenever you are and you might remember that this is basically what they did with the writers it didn't work then it's not going to work now it seems like it's the AMPTP throwing all their toys out the pram because they can't get what they want and all it's doing is stalling the inevitable deal that they are going to have to make because the actors are not going to back down and nor should they you know so the situation we're in now is it's going to be about four to six weeks before those big network studio shows are going to need the actors back on set and that's when the pressure will come from the networks to make sure that they have a deal in place all this bullying and delay tactics from the AMPTP hopefully the network pressure will put them back around the table because it's the streaming services that are complaining more than anything else and I think it was probably the networks that ended up pulling them back last time and hopefully the networks will be able to pull them back this time but we'll see where it goes but at the moment who knows it just could be a few more weeks before they actually get back around the table again but it's it's such a shame because i mean at the end of the day it is sort of delaying the inevitable i think yeah it would just be good for things to get resolved in a way that is actually fair so that we can get back to having all the series we want to see being made yeah and i mean they manage it with the writers i don't think what the actors are asking for is unreasonable either and at the end of the day the actors are not going to cave on this sort of stuff 
you know they're the ones that have made movements the studios are just being belligerent i think at this point and they're coming off looking bad and it backfired when they tried this sort of stuff with the writers and it's going to backfire again now this is all stuff that affects people who are kind of i don't know the exact correct phrase but the the jobbing actors people who are doing the smaller roles this isn't about the top biggest most famous names this is you know although they are obviously affected by the stuff we mentioned with likeness rights and ai and being used uh, in things that you would not promote and things like that but this also has yeah, a massive impact on all the background artists all of the lesser known people the up-and-coming people and future generations of people yeah they need to get it sorted and that's what they're fighting for and it is for a lot of those background actors and all that sort of stuff so uh, hopefully we'll see some movement sooner rather than later but that's where we are right now in terms of some of the other news that's been about freddie flintoff took a, a nine million compensation payment for the uh, horrific crash that of course uh, been referred to as life-changing injuries for him and uh, i mean certainly he's been seen out in public and that crash i think was december last year and he's still got cuts on him from it so sounds like it was probably a reasonable amount of compensation that he got from top gear the only reason i bring this up is because you always see this from people online top gear is made by bbc studios bbc studios is an entirely commercial entity does not involve the license fee that nine million is not from the license fee it's from bbc studios they are two very very separate things in actual fact bbc studios go to support or reduce the license fee by investments in programs and cash dividends that are paid back to the bbc group annually as a profit they receive no public funds they return about 200 million to the bbc group annually bbc studios as a commercial entity actually saves money on the license fee it doesn't take money from the license fee and none of that nine million is coming from the license fee i just wanted to point that out because you see that online all the time and it really annoys me so um that's why i'm mentioning that moving on to a pickup star trek prodigy has been saved by netflix season one is going to be repeated on netflix next year which previously ran on paramount plus and nickelodeon season two is coming in 2024 have you watched any of that one i wouldn't be surprised I watched, if like the first like i think it was five episodes mm-hmm. and it was so star wars i was confused so star wars yeah like the first so many episodes i'm told it gets much more star trek as it goes on yes but it the, does the setup felt so star wars i was right. like hang on is this like a spin-off from rebels a yeah. lot of the design the style of it the plot set up at the beginning and then it sort of felt a little bit awkward because i was like okay now it's star wars but janeway's in it <laughs> <laughs> and um i didn't really get beyond there but i'm told that i should have stuck at it a bit more yes i can see what you're saying with that and yeah I would go and stick at it a little bit longer because it does take a little bit to sort of find the trekness in it, but it does find it. And it's really good, particularly if you're a Voyager fan. I mean, this is the sort of natural progression of Voyager, I think, or the next progression of Voyager, because there are a lot of Voyager people involved in this. Janeway particularly mentioned. It is worth sticking with. I really enjoyed the first season of this. and I was kind of gutted when they decided that this was going to be the one that they were going to chop from uh, Paramount Plus to save money. I'm glad that somebody else has picked it up because the second season was actually made. They just decided to sell it on to somebody else. So it is going to Netflix. Season two will be out next year, but it is worth going to look at. If you like Star Trek, it is in that sort of Rebels audience kind of area of Mm. a younger audience, but it has stuff in there for older members as well. So a bit of a ragtag team of teenagers and 
coming of agey type stuff going on there from what I could see. Like I didn't, I didn't hate it. I just didn't quite know what it was trying to be. And then, yeah, by the time people had all told me, no, 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 actually like it's worth sticking with. They said they were going to cancel it. So I kind of didn't go back. Yeah. So uh, now there is a second season definitely incoming. I would definitely go and check that out because it is really quite good. Uh, very enjoyable. There was a little interesting bit of news from Jerry Seinfeld about a possible Seinfeld reunion. He was doing a stand-up show in Boston over the weekend. He teased the possibility that something is happening because the show came from Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld and he said that there isn't anything happening yet and just what you are thinking about Larry and I have also been thinking about so you'll see. So he's sort of teasing that there is something potentially happening with Seinfeld. Oddly, which I hadn't realised, they last worked together in a couple of episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David's other show, where, because it's kind of meta, that show, and it's Larry playing a version of himself, they had an arc in that where they tried to remake a final episode of Seinfeld, bringing all the cast back together. So it was sort of a show within a show, <laughs> apparently, was what they did with that. So, right. yeah. Fourth will be damned. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So it looks like there may be something happening, but Julia Louis-Dreyfus has said she knows nothing about it. So if there is something going on, it hasn't made it as far as the rest of the cast by now. But apparently there is something potentially happening there. So if you're a fan of Seinfeld, there may be something coming back. BBC dropped the news that they are adding over 800 episodes of Doctor Who programming to iPlayer, along with a landmark online archive from November. So from the 1st of November, I think that was. All the episodes that they put up will be available with subtitles, audio description and sign language for the first time, which is great. There are around 871 episodes of Doctor Who in total. There's around 700 classic episodes and 170 or so of the new Who episodes. Then you've got to take out 97 lost episodes that they had. And they're also including things like Torchwood and the McGann movie and Class and Doctor Who Confidential and other spin-offs and things within the 800 episodes. So we're not entirely sure whether it's all of them, some of them. I mean, it will be a lot because it's 800 episodes, but whether it's the entire every single episode of the classic run and episodes of New Who, we can't exactly say. But we'll see what's up there when they launch it on the 1st of November. They're also launching this online archive, which is going to be at bbc.co.uk forward slash Doctor Who, which is uh, everything from interviews with the cast, written documents, unheard audio, behind the scenes photos, all that sort of stuff as well. So this is obviously all in preparation for the upcoming anniversary specials, which are also coming out in November, although they haven't actually given us a date yet. Lots of Doctor Who stuff for you to go and play around with there. Yeah, there's so... Like it's such a rich history of a show. There's so much that I think it's really cool to have it all in one place so that people can go back, especially people that have just watched New Who and want to go see where it all came from. Yeah, absolutely. Apparently, this was part of the agreement of Russell T. Davies coming back. He's like, well, I'll come back, but I want this, this, and this. And one of the things that they agreed to was having as much of the archive and the original series as possible available for free on iPlayer. It was one of his insisting sort of things if he was going to come back and take over. Was yeah, that's really that. nice. Yeah, it was apparently that. So there's going to be lots of Doctor Who stuff to go and wander around on iPlayer from the 1st of November. 
there's a, another show possibly being revived as well, Suits, which I don't know whether you're aware, but in the US it's been on Netflix and has been like at the top of the Netflix streaming charts for ages. I think it's recently got toppled by something, but it has been doing ridiculously well on streaming. Yeah, I was actually re-watching some of that for a bit, so it obviously... yeah. I, weirdly, I saw some clips from it on, I think it was on TikTok, and I was like, oh yeah, Suits, and I started doing a bit of a rewatch of it. Well, there you go. Yeah, so, yeah, it's definitely trending. <laughs> it is. It's been trending out there. So there was talk about, oh, well, what about Revival? And Aaron Kush, who's the creator of it, had sort of said, no, no, no. Now he kind of seems to have changed his mind. He sort of said he underestimated the success of it. Deals are apparently in negotiations, and assuming that all that goes through, the projects are likely to be fast-tracked for NBC Universal. Where it will actually land, who knows? But it wouldn't be a direct spin-off like the Pearson series was. It will be more like sort of NCIS LA to NCIS or CSI New York to CSI. So it's going to be probably in a new city with an entirely new cast, but taking the same sort of setup of a law office and interesting characters and that sort of thing. I doubt it will have exactly the same hook, but they're sort of seeing if they can work something that is within the same universe is the idea. And then just do some occasional cameos and crossovers, I guess. Yes. I mean, maybe they would bring one or two people across. I mean, you could potentially do that or just have them pop up in cameos or that sort of thing. So we'll see. But it is in the works. It's not very far along. They are negotiating things at the moment. That means it may never happen, but apparently they are talking about it. Yeah. And if they're listening to this podcast, uh, more of Lewis Lip, please. Absolutely. We we need the new series to be lit up. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know they're all terrible people in that show, but um, Lewis became one of my favourite characters. Yeah. As it went on, I think Don, Donna and Lewis are my two favourites. Yes, he is a wonderful, wonderful character. That so I would love to see that moving forward as well. Yeah, he can be running a cat cafe around the corner. They visit. I don't care. <laughs> like we just need more of that character. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Last bit of news we have is Daredevil Born Again, which is the upcoming MCU integrated version of Daredevil. This is sort of what I alluded to earlier. They've basically fired all the writers and the directors, having seen the opening few episodes of it. It was ordered for 18 episodes. Less than half of that had been shot, and they showed it to Kevin Feige, and he basically went, you're all fired. (laughs) So I don't know what they've done. (laughs) That's a very harsh reaction, like just even... Even the runners, even the wardrobe <laughs> department, just like... Writers and directors. The two head okay. writers were Chris Ord and Matt Corman, who were previously worked on COVID Affairs. They've been let go, although they are staying on as exec producers. They've got rid of them. They've got rid of all the upcoming remainder episodic directors who they had lined up. They've all gone. They were apparently crafting a legal procedural that was nothing like the Netflix version, which was known for its sort of action and violence. And according to some of the reports, Charlie Cox didn't show up in costume until the fourth episode. So I I don't know, but they looked at the episodes that were shot and were like, no, (laughs) we're not doing this. So it's undergoing a complete creative overhaul, rethinking the original intention of the show. They are probably going to salvage some of the stuff that they have shot already. So it's not going to be completely reshot. But I mean, it sounds like it's going to go over a major rework. 
It was ordered for two seasons, over 18 episodes. When that actually finally comes out of development hell, who knows, and who they get in to take over it, we don't know either. But it's this sort of weird thing that Marvel has of they don't have showrunners for their shows. They have exec producers that sort of oversee it, but they aren't necessarily creatives. They'll have head writers, but they aren't showrunners. If it's a cost-saving measure, it's failed because they'd already filmed half of this. Yeah, this is what I sort of wonder is about the whole sort of weird creative direction that this has gone in, in the fact that they haven't really have people controlling the projects properly. And that's why it's all seemed a bit mishmashed for this last couple of phases of the MCU and all over the place. Yeah, and it it feels quite harsh to fire people for not having given them the correct direction, which Mm -hmm. sort of, I mean, I don't know if that's what's happened, but it sounds a little bit like what's happened there if the entire concept's wrong. Yeah, because surely they must have known that this was going to be a sort of legal procedural thing. They must have understood that unless they didn't read anything until they've episodes of film I, I don't know somebody clearly took their eye off the ball on it so yeah it seems to be going to going a major rework no cast changes but there are some major changes going on behind the scenes and it looks like a lot yeah. of it's going to be reshot probably a lot of people holding their breath at the moment as they're slightly worried about their jobs yes as i say the writers and directors are the main ones that have been got rid of right now we'll see what happens moving forward with it but likely not to drop anytime soon if that's the case right now i would think with that so we'll see where it goes but um, I'm hoping that this is the kick in the backside that Marvel needs to actually start to maybe go back to a more traditional production system rather than trying this sort of wing and a prayer thing that they've been doing for the last few seasons of TV shows we'll see where it flushes out but that's the situation with Daredevil Born again anyway that's all the news we've got for this week just some highlights for next week on TV coming up next So, highlights for next week. We have Rick and Morty Season 7, as I mentioned, uh, coming 17th of October at 10pm. That'll be on E4 and also up on Channel 4 Streaming as well, so you can go and catch that. Second and uh, final season of The Wonder Years, that's coming on the 18th of October on Disney+. Plus. You can catch that. Dark Winds, which we've mentioned a few times, 18th of October on Alibi, that's coming at 10pm. You can go and catch that. Uh, That's uh, two Navajo police officers are forced to challenge their own spiritual beliefs as they search for clues in a double murder case uh just got good reviews sounds like it's going to be one worth checking out bodies which is a netflix series coming on the 19th of october uh four detectives living four different eras find the body of the same murder victim in london's Whitechapel. it sounds like a really interesting concept for a tv show it is based off a graphic novel a vertigo one i think called bodies netflix 19th of october i think that's one going to be worth looking at it's got stephen graham in it as well which is never a bad thing Big Mouth Season 7, that lands on Netflix as well. That's 20th of October. And Breeders is back for its fourth and final season. That's on Sky Comedy on the 20th of October at 9pm as well. So, uh, yeah, some interesting things this week. Rick and Morty, Dark Winds, Bodies particular, I think. 
for you. If they want to go and find you, where can they find you? I'm on stage at various gaming and comic book events. If anyone wants to come up and say hi or get involved in some of the competitions and tournaments I help run on stages. And apart from that, I'm Trista Bites, which is spelled B-Y-T-E-S because I thought I was being funny on most social networks and TikTok and Twitch and places like that. You can also see some of the interviews and things I've done over on the Geek Town YouTube channel as well. Yes, you can go and check that out over there and go and check her out on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. For other people involved in the show, you can find Matt over on entertainmenttalk.org for lots and lots more podcasts. We've just wrapped up the rewatch of Breaking Bad Season 3, so you can go and check that out there. That was really, really good fun to go through. There's also his Man U podcast and Gaming Talk and all that sort of stuff, so go and check out entertainmenttalk.org for that. And uh, Daryl, you can find at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV series you love which are shot in Canada. For us, you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air data information. If you want to get in touch with questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on X, Twitter, whatever we're calling it these days. Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown. YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown. Blue Sky at geektown. Instagram at geektown UK. TikTok at geektown UK. And threads at geektown UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.